where to give. And, and, and Father, I just pray that you would continue to um, bless those that do give and sow into this ministry. Obviously, the expenses are still here. We still have building and heat and hydro and electricity and all sorts of other things that go on, even though we aren't meeting here in person. So, Father, I just thank you for those that do continue to give and to sow into this ministry, and I pray that you would bless them a hundredfold in return. Uh, and, Father, for this message this morning, I just thank you for, for you know, giving me this word this morning. Father, I just pray that you would speak through me and that there would be open hearts to receive. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here we are, Sunday, January 10th. We're just into 2021, and, uh, well, there's some interesting stuff happening in our world, that is for sure. Uh, this message this morning, I titled it, Three Ways to Overcome the Enemy. So, parts of this message are from a book I've been reading by Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Church in California. And it's titled Revelation, The Next Dimension. And it's, it's actually a very amazing book. It's a study on the book of Revelation. And in chapter 14, he talks about overcoming the devil. And in one part of the chapter, he gives us three steps to actually overcoming him. And I thought, hey, this would make a great message. So some of the words I'll speak today are his from that book. Others I gathered from my research and then a few of my own thoughts thrown in to wrap it up. So here we go. Three ways to overcoming the enemy. Now, there's an old hymn, one that I used to like to sing and actually do miss singing, and it goes like this. Don't worry, I'm not actually going to sing it this morning, uh, but I am going to give you a few of the lines from it. So, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come from the cleansing of Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in the life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. The chorus goes, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. So step number one to overcoming the enemy is by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation uh, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood and, had made, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. From day one as a believer, we're taught the good news that God sent his son to earth to bring restoration to this fallen world. By Jesus going to the cross, that by the shedding of his blood on that day over 2,000 years ago, allows him to intercede on our behalf to the Father. So that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that God now looks to us through the lens of Jesus' blood. And that lens, his blood, is what washes away our sin. So we can enter into the presence of God, clean and whole. That's exciting. John 1.12 says, But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become the children of God. In that verse where it says, took hold of his name, it can be further described as those who are putting faith into his name. To lay hold of his name means to believe all that he represents 
and put that practice in, of what he taught in the power of his name. So the next time the enemy comes to you and says that you're not worthy to approach God, do you know what I would advise? This is Pastor Greg talking now. Agree with him. <laughs> Say to the enemy, you're right. I'm not worthy to approach God. And I never have been. What's more, I, will never, I never will be worthy to approach God. My access to God's presence isn't based on my worthiness. It's based on what Christ did for me at the cross. Look, we're all going to slip up. We're going to get away from the things we should be doing in our Christian walk. Maybe we slept in this week. Maybe we missed reading our Bible. Maybe we skipped saying grace. And we start to say to yourselves, I'm not doing as well as I should. I'm not worthy to approach God, let alone ask for his help. Yes, those things are important, but let's not get sidetracked. Your access to God through Christ is already there. It already has been purchased for you and paid in full by Jesus on the cross. If you have done well, that's good. Approach God with thanksgiving. If you've sinned, approach God and say, Father, I've sinned. This is why I need the blood of the Lamb. The devil is always going to try to keep you away from the cross, and the Holy Spirit is always going to try to bring you to the cross. The devil will accuse and condemn. The Holy Spirit will convict and convince. Please listen to the Holy Spirit. Do not let your heart become hardened. Humble yourself. Admit. Open your heart to hear and ask for forgiveness. Look, these little things start to pile up. This little slip of the tongue, this little slip in our thought life, this little slip in our actions and our words or our integrity, and it starts to compound. And as this stuff compounds, often we start to harden our heart to where our conscience isn't even speaking to us anymore or we're choosing not to listen to it. And then the enemy starts accusing, you call yourself a Christian? You're not a Christian. Look at the actions that you've been putting. Look at the words you've been saying. But the beauty of heart of it is, is we could just come humbly, right? Have some humility. God already knows you messed up. Go to him and say, God, I messed up. Forgive me. I repent. Please forgive me. I can't remember if I said it or somebody else said it or I read it somewhere. I don't know where it came from. But I, there was, if God is 999, if you're, not, if you're a thousand steps from God, God will take 999 steps towards you. All you have to do is take that initial step of faith back to him, and he's welcoming you with open arms. So remember, the devil's going to accuse and condemn, but Holy Spirit is going to convict and convince and listen to the Holy Spirit, please. Hebrews 10, 19, 20 from the Passion Translation says, And we now are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary of the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation. For he has dedicated a new, life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us freedom and fresh access to him. That's exciting news. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. 
That word sanctified there means set apart, which means different from others in a noticeable way. Some other meetings are to keep or intend for a special purpose, to earmark, dedicate, bless, or sanctify. Church, as believers, as sons of da and daughters of God, we have been set apart. We should be different than the world in a noticeable way. If we're not, you may have to do some soul searching. So our first point to overcoming the enemy is by the blood of the Lamb. The second way to overcome the enemy is by the word of our testimony. Pastor Greg says in his book that when a believer is cleansed and walking in fellowship with God, it's just natural that he or she will want to tell others. He goes on to say that while promoting our faith in Christ, he is reminded about an old football cliche. The best defense is a good offense. In other words, instead of trying to hold our ground, we should be making it our aim to gain ground and move forward. Identifying yourself as a Christian is a good way to make yourself accountable, even to non-believers. At your workplace, look for opportunities to say, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. This doesn't give us permission to be overbearing and obnoxious about it, but you simply state who you are and why it's important to you. With your family, in your neighborhood, you simply tell people, I'm a follower of Jesus. The moment you put this stake in the ground or draw this line in the sand, things will change. Guess what? People are going to start watching you. Even the, uh, the book of 1 John 1, 2, and 3, and this is from the Amplified, and it says, And the life, an aspect of his being, was revealed, which means made, made manifest, demonstrated, and we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying to and declare in you to you the life, the eternal life in him who already existed with the Father who, and who actually was made visible, was revealed to his followers. What we have seen and ourselves heard, we are also telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partake with us. And this fellowship that we have, which is the distinguishing mark of the Christian, is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ the Messiah. The fellowship we have with God is our distinguishing mark as a Christian. Even the disciples are testifying to who Jesus, uh, who Jesus is and who he was to them. And in our circles that we travel, it's our job to use, that, use the word of our testimony to let others know who Jesus is to us. I heard a speaker the other day said, he was interviewing another, another, um, another believer, both wealthy businessmen, and he said this one guy, he said it was really cool because this one gentleman was talking to another businessman, a third, so a third businessman now, and he wasn't talking Christianese. He was using wisdom from the book of Proverbs to speak into this man's life because he knew that the book of Proverbs contains all the wisdom we need to operate in this life. But he wasn't quoting, you know, Proverbs 8, verse 7 says this, you should blah, blah, blah. He wasn't talking Christianese to them. He was just conveying the wisdom that he's learned in the book of Proverbs in his own words to this other businessman. And that opened a door to speak life into this other businessman. And this other businessman ended up becoming a follower of Jesus because of this conversation. It's our job, our opportunity to speak life into people. And we don't have to be quote, you know, we, have to give the, we don't have to give the reference from the Bible as we're doing it. We can just speak, testify, 
share our testimony. When we make the declaration that we are a Christian, people are watching us. They'll be watching for us to slip up with our tongue, our actions, and there's nothing worse than being called to account by, uh, being called to account by a non-believer, especially when they're right. <laughs> right? Look, we're going to slip up. Believe me, there are many regrets in my own life. Contact with many people that knew I was, you know, a quote-unquote Christian, right? Because I told them I was. But then later, these same people, with these same people, my talk and my actions did not line up with the word Christian. Some days I think to myself, what if my actions contributed to someone not finding Jesus in their lifetime? And those thoughts break my heart. All I can say here is repent. Pray for those that you have been a poor example in front of. You know, ask God to send someone across their path or bring them across our path in some capacity again. And that this time we are a true example of what a follower of Christ should be. And if any of those people are watching right now or happen to see this video, I'm sorry. Don't look to me as your example. One thing I've told others in the past and one thing we need to remember here is man is always going to let you down. I will let you down. I'm imperfect. But the one thing we know for sure is Jesus will not. Jesus will not. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me that in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Our words need to line up with our actions. Our testimony needs to be the truth. We profess and believe to become a Christian. I think now more than ever, we need to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Some will say, I, I don't have much of a story. Nothing very dramatic has happened in my life. I've never gone through any great adversity. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Excellent. You don't have to go through adversity to have a testimony. Just tell your story. Just express what the Lord means to you and what he's done for you. So point one, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. Point two, we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. And point three, we overcome the enemy by not loving our life so much as to shrink from death. In Revelations 12, verse 11, we're introduced to a group of believers who are able, who were able to overcome, or are able to overcome Satan. It says, then I, said, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. That's our three points today from Revelations 12, 11. These believers understood that their lives belonged to God. They had already seen others martyred. You can read about this in earlier chapters of Revelation to find out more. They knew their time, their times, were in his hands. Bearing these things in mind, they spoke up for their faith in Christ in spite of the probable consequences. This is an important mindset we need to have. When push comes to shove, our lives aren't our own anyway. As a church right now, 
We need to stand up for what's righteous in this world because there's a lot of darkness in this world. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of, you know, it's not, you know, God says in the end times there'll be wars and rumors of war. It's not so much that there's wars against nation against nation, but we have wars within nations right now. Neighbor turning against neighbor. Political party against other political party. You didn't hear, and this is not about, not about Trump, but he got banned from Twitter. Okay, fine. Twitter has the right to do it. It's their platform. They can allow people to use it or not. That's fine. But now lots of other conservative Christian voices are losing droves of followers just overnight. People are disappearing that are not liking them, are being banned, are being threatened with banishment from different platforms because of their bringing these other people are bringing truth and light. If I say right now, abortion is a sin, which I just said, and somebody reported this video, Facebook could delete it from their site. Righteous voices are being shut up right now by people in this world by groups in this world and we as the church are called to be the light and we need to stand up now when push comes to shove our lives aren't our own anyways i'm not saying we're going to war church i'm just saying we need to get on our knees and start praying we need to start interceding for those in leadership we need to start interceding for holy spirit to turn the hearts of those that are hurting to bring comfort to those that are confused and lost and to stand up for what is righteous in this, in this world. It's our job. Now, we live a pretty sheltered life here in the Pemina Valley. You know, we aren't persecuted for following Christ. We aren't chastised. We aren't thrown in jail or killed. But according to Open Doors 2019 World Watch List, an in-depth investigative report focusing on global Christian persecution, says persecution is increasing at an alarming rate. Research for the list indicates that each day 11 Christians are killed for their faith in the top 50 countries ranked on the World Watch list. Say, well, 11 doesn't sound like that much, but they're killed just because they're being a Christian. If you become a Christian in North Korea, the article said this, if you become a Christian in North Korea, you are considered a hostile element of society that must be eradicated. Yet it is estimated that there are close to 300,000 Christians in North Korea. They're persecuted. They're flourishing. If you become a Christian in Afghanistan, to convert to faith outside of Islam is tantamount to treason because it's seen as a betrayal of family, tribe, and country. Very often, there is only one possible outcome for exposed and caught Christians, and that's death. In Afghanistan, converts are considered literally insane to leave Islam. As a result, some may end up in psychiatric hospitals and have their homes destroyed. In Somalia, Christian community is small and under constant threat of attack. In fact, persecution of Christians almost always involves violence. In Pakistan, Christians continue to live in daily fear that they will be accused of blasphemy, which can carry a death sentence. And I could go on and on. It gave many examples. So it seems pretty petty of us to think, you know, <laughs> that because maybe, oh, I speak in tongues or raise my hand in worship or have drums on our stage, and others don't believe that, that we're being persecuted. It's not persecution. Whether you are a pre-trib, 
mid-trib or post-trib believer, meaning that you believe the church will be taken before the tribulation period or in the middle or at the end of the tribulation period. Personally, I'm pre-trib. doesn't really matter right here, right now. Persecution is going to come. We can already see an increase of it by certain groups. We need to stop being wishy-washy in our faith and, and taking for granted the area in which we live. Jesus promised persecution will come, so it will. We need to be ready to overcome the enemy when the attack comes. As I said earlier, when push comes to shove, our lives aren't, ours, aren't our own anyway. Pastor Greg says in his book, God decides to be the beginning and God decides the end. On every tombstone, you will see a date of birth followed by a date of death and uh, with a dash in between. That thin line between birth and death is your part. It's my part. That's where you have your testimony and seek to live for him. And as long as you are alive, you may as well live boldly, not fearing persecution and not fearing death. Your life, your very existence is in the hand of God. There's a story of a believer who was brought before one of the Roman emperors and told to renounce his faith and give glory to Caesar, but he wouldn't do it. The emperor said, give up Christ or I will banish you. But you can't banish me from Christ, the believer replied, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The emperor said, I will confiscate your property. My treasures are laid up for me in heaven, the Christian said, and you can't touch them. The emperor said, I will kill you. The Christian replied, I've been dead to this world in Christ for 40 years. My life is hid with Christ and God. You can't touch it. The emperor turned to some of his members of his court and said in complete disgust, what can you do with such a fanatic? This man who did not love life so much as to shrink from death, and he overcame Caesar and Satan. Romans 8, 33 to 34 says, Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Jesus is sitting there right now. Father, I'm pleading for David. I'm pleading for Samuel. He's pleading for us. Then to go to verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I'm just seeing the, 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 the feed here on, on Facebook this morning. We have a number of different people watching. God, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now pleading for you. God is looking at you through the lens of Jesus this morning and seeing somebody that is good and wonderful and a perfect creation in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Point one, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. Point th two, we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. And point three, we overcome the enemy by not loving our life so much as to shrink from death. Church, in the end, we know we win. We know the enemy is defeated. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. 
we win the war. It's a new song that's out in the last line. The last line of the song, in your name, I claim this fight as one. W-O-N. So whatever you're going through this morning, people, so I'm looking at my phone here. Everybody's watching this morning. Hurt, pain, sadness, depression, persecution, sickness, financial trouble, on and on, on and on. The enemy is defeated. We win. And I want you to say out loud this morning, from wherever you are, in Jesus' name, I claim this fight as one, this financial breakthrough. This sickness is healed in Jesus' name. A friend of mine is watching. His wife is sick. I'm praying right now for her in Jesus' name that she would be healed miraculously. The doctors would not even know or understand or why, why this, why or how this happened. But they could stand there and tell the doctors, God healed me. God healed me. Look, folks, while we're here on this earth, we may lose a few battles. We may get a few bruises and scars. But in the end, we win. In the end, we win. So start, start 2021 off strong. Start living the victorious life that we're assured to have if we overcome the enemy. So Father God, I just want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for this message. Holy Spirit, I want to just ask that you would just touch everybody that watches this message in a real intangible way, whether they're watching it live, whether they watch the replay, whether they hear it online. I just pray, Father God, that you would touch them in a real intangible way. Reveal yourself to them at the time they're listening to this. Let them know that you love them, that you want what's best for them, and that even though they may go through some trials, even though they may get some bumps and bruises and scars in this life, that you are walking with them, and that one day we get to spend eternity with you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.